We're Baptists. We're not very good at the clapping thing. <laughs> that sounded about like Presbyterians right there. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> uh, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. And we've been studying Matthew 18 for several weeks now. It's been a while, and it's a chapter full of great lessons. As Jesus is getting ready to, to go to the cross, and he keeps reminding them of that, and as he's getting ready to go, he's giving them last lessons before he leaves. That's almost what I titled the chapter. Uh, these are some life lessons that they need to learn when they'll be without him. As he's going to ascend, they'll have to uh, be without his physical presence there. And I think that as we close out this chapter in chapter 18, that we're coming to probably the most valuable lesson. Uh, I'll say it's the the most important lesson, and it may be the most needed lesson that these disciples needed and that we need to hear today, and it's a lesson on how to forgive one another. I think we all need that lesson. I know they needed that lesson, and, and I say we all need that lesson, and we do. We all need to learn to forgive one another. Why do we need to learn that? Because one day, at some point in time, you're going to need forgiveness. One day, at some point in time, I'm going to need forgiveness. One day, at some point, and maybe even today, we're all going to need forgiveness from somebody. So we not only do we need forgiveness, but we're going to have to learn to give forgiveness. And it's not just any forgiveness that God expects out of us. I titled the sermon today, we're going to have to learn to forgive with out-of-this-world forgiveness. World that is a, uh, forgiveness that is above and beyond anything that the world has ever seen. So we need to learn today how to forgive with out-of-this-world forgiveness. So let's stand together. I'm going to read you this. And we're again, the title is Out of This World Forgiveness. And I want to read to you. It's a longer passage, so I want you to bear with me. We're going to start in verse 21 and read to verse 35. And we're going to look at today again, Out of This World Forgiveness. Starting in verse 21, then came Peter to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? And Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But forasmuch as he had not, had not to pay his Lord, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and his children, and all that he had, and payment was to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I'll pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which had owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him, and he took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe me. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet, and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll pay thee all. And he would not, but he went and cast him into prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what it was done, they were very sorry. And they came and told their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not every one of his brother their trespasses. Great passage on how we ought to forgive one another. So let's pray together and we'll study this. Father, we thank you for very, very, very practical lessons like this. We are all apt to sin against each other. And we're all going to need to forgive one another. So God, teach us that here today. Sin has a way of breaking relationships apart. And forgiveness is the way to bring those relationships back together. And I pray that you would do that today. I've prayed that all week. That you would mend relationships with forgiveness in this church today. Wherever it may be. Maybe in a marriage. Maybe in children maybe with siblings, maybe with a co-worker or a friend, maybe amongst brothers and sisters even in this church. May we all study this passage today, understand it, learn it, but most importantly to apply it, that we would forgive each other the way that you have forgiven us. 
Teach us here today, Father, please. May your spirit be the teacher in this church today. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I want to ask you a question this morning of of what would you do if you were in a certain situation. And the certain situation is a story of a, of a Jewish man during World War II who was in Poland in a concentration camp. And, and in, in this concentration camp, you know it's a bad thing for a Jew to be in a concentration camp in Poland during World War II. But he was, and he had a job. And his job was to, to clean the floors of this resident hospital in a concentration camp. It wasn't a hospital for Jews. It was a hospital for the, the, the German soldiers that would come there after war who had injuries. And this Jew was, was in the midst of cleaning the floors one time in the hospital. This is a a true story. He wrote a book on on his time there. And and he was cleaning the floors in this hospital and and all of a sudden these nurses and doctors came running to him and said, we need you, we need you, we need you. And this Jewish man had never been needed for anything other than cleaning floors. So they grabbed him, they took him to a room and laying in that room was a a German soldier who was on his deathbed. He was about to die. I mean, he was on the brink of, of going into eternity and he had said, I need a Jewish man. So they brought him the Jewish man, this German Nazi and this Jewish refugee in a concentration camp. And the German soldier grabbed the Jewish man's hand and he began to confess his sins to him. He, he told of how him and his other soldier friends had taken to burn down a family's house. And as they were burning down the house, they burned it down so that as the family would come running out, they would shoot them as they came running out. Husband and wife, children and even babies. And he told of all the atrocities and evils that he had committed. Unbelievable things. And he looked at this Jewish man on his deathbed, holding his hand, and he said, will you forgive me? And the Jewish man threw his hand down and ran out without saying a word, leaving him to die with no forgiveness. And at the end of the book that he wrote, he said, what would you have done? And he gave some answers that he had gotten from some of his fellow Jews, and and the majority of the people that had responded said, we would have done the exact same thing that you did. There was even one response that said, I would have looked at him and told him to burn in hell. He doesn't deserve forgiveness. So my question to you this morning is, what would you have done? Because I think forgiveness is one of the hardest things in the world to do. Three of the hardest words that we will ever say, ever say, is I forgive you. We can say things like, I will never forgive you for what you've done. I could never. I will never. I can't. I won't. We'll say that. But it's so hard to get the words out, I will forgive you. It's easier for us to to get even with somebody than to get over what they've done to us. It's easier for us to get bitter than to be the better man. It's easier for us to hold a grudge than to show compassion. That's mankind. That's who we are. Forgiveness is foreign to us. Forgiveness is unnatural for us. It's not something that we naturally want to do. Our natural response when somebody wrongs us is to get even with them, to get mad at them, to hold it against them, and to say, I will not forgive you. But that's not what Christians are to do. That's not who Christians are. And that's not what Jesus is teaching us. The world is full of unforgiveness, but the church ought to be full of forgiveness. And that's what Jesus is teaching us here in this passage. As Peter comes to him and says, and he asks this question, what would you have us to do? That's what we need to ask. What would Jesus have us to do when people come to us asking for forgiveness? And it's, it's a remarkable question. Don't you love that Peter is a, a, a kind of guy who asks questions? There's, there's people who, I've been in a lot of classrooms, and there's people in the classrooms that when the teacher says, is, is there anybody with a question? And there's people like me who tend to sit down and say, let's just get the class over with. I want to get out of here, you know. And then there's other people that are like, ooh, 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 me, 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 me. And they ask oftentimes some of the silliest questions you'll ever hear. And you're sitting over there thinking, let's just get out of here. Peter was the type that said, ooh, I got one, I got one. And, and what's great about Peter is we get to learn from his questions. 
As he went to Jesus, says, what would you have us to do? And Jesus gives a very clear answer. I mean, I, I, I thought, I don't even have to teach this. It's as easy as it gets. Jesus says he wants his people, the disciples, to be forgiving people. He wants it to be easy for us to say, I forgive you. He wants it to be the first thing that, that we're apt to say out of our mouth. It isn't, I refuse to forgive. It is, I forgive you. And it's not just that he wants us to be forgiving people. He wants us to be out of this world forgiving people. He takes it to the, to the extreme. He, he says here in this passage, and this is the main point that I'm going to get to before we get to the, to the outline, but Christians ought to be the most forgiving people in the world. That's what he says here. And churches ought to be the most forgiving place in the world. Let me say that again because I think it's profound. I know it's simple, but I think it's really, really a profound statement that this sermon is teaching us today that Christians ought to be the most forgiving people in the world and that the church ought to be the most forgiving place in the world. If you want to find forgiveness, and I get that. Jesus just got done talking about how we discipline sin. Yes, you don't want sin in your church. We treat sin harshly. But we treat sinners forgivingly. That's who we are. That's what we do. We ought to be the most forgiving people in the world. We ought to show out of this world forgiveness. So let's look at this passage today. I'm going to give you three headings as we work our way through it. And I want to show you this out of this world forgiveness. Starting with one, verse 21. We'll look at that just by itself. As he says there in verse 21, this is our the limit to forgiveness. I'm going to say this several times here, but we all want a limit to our forgiveness. We all want there to be a line that says, I will forgive you up to this point. And that's what Peter's saying here. He comes to Jesus and he wants Jesus to say, okay, here's where it's too far. Here's where you can say, I'm done. I will never forgive past this point. So we're looking at the limit to forgiveness. Is there a limit to our forgiveness? Watch what he says. Then Peter came to him. Peter's heard the previous verses, verses 15 through 20 that we studied a couple weeks ago, where it's talking about when, when a brother in the church sins and how you're going to deal with that. And Jesus has told him, if they come to you and they confess it and they repent of it, you need to forgive them. And Peter says, comes to him and he says, okay, but you know what that means? Peter knows the tendency of man. That if they keep coming to us and we keep forgiving them, they come to us and we forgive them, they come to us and we forgive them, it'll become this, this loop of sin and forgiveness over and over and over. That if somebody knows that, that, that they can just sin against us and then ask for forgiveness and we'll let them go, they'll just keep on doing it. That, that's what Peter's thinking in his mind. Here's what they're going to do. They'll come to me and they'll say, I'm sorry. Peter will say, okay, I forgive you. And then they'll go back and they'll commit the same thing again. And then they'll come back and say, oh, will you please forgive me? Okay. And then it just keeps on in a loop over and over and over. And it's going to feel like you're letting people walk all over you. So Peter's looking at Jesus and he's saying, do we let people take advantage of us in that way? How many times do we let them keep on coming back to us? That's his question. And it's a great question. Is there a limit to this? Is there a point when it's too far? Is there a line we can't that, 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 that we can't cross? Is there a point when we say enough is enough? I'm done. No more forgiveness. And then Peter asking that question. What's well, I mean? You see the question there. How often? How many times should I forgive my brother who sins against me? And then Peter offers a suggestion. Here's what I think. Here's how many times I think well, I ought to forgive my brother. And it's a generous suggestion. He says, I think that seven times is enough. They sin against me and I forgive. And then they go back and do it again. There's two. They go back and do it again. There's three. Go back and do it there again. Four. Go back and do it again. Five. Go back and do it again. Six. Go back and do it again. Seven. And then there's the line. There's the point. There's the limit. Seven times is enough. You say, where, did Peter, where in the world did Peter get seven at? Well, the Jews believed, and they believed this because God had been this way with the nations. The Jews believed that three times was enough. The Jews would say that it didn't matter what anybody did to you, that you would forgive it one time, two times, three times, but after three, they're dead to you. No more. I'm done. It's over. So Peter, looking at the Jews, think, think about it with me. The Jews said three. Peter's thinking, I'm going to, 
add three to that, and then plus one, we're doing math here now. You, got, you didn't know he was coming to church to do math. Three, just stick with me, make sure I get my numbers right. Three plus three, and then I'll, I'll just add one to it. So I'm doubling what the Jews do, and I'm even adding one. So we're going to get all the way to seven. Peter thinks he's being very generous there. This would make him, think about it, the most forgiving man in that group. Peter expects Jesus to look at him and say, three plus three plus one, you're saying seven? Good boy, Peter. You're just so good. You're so forgiving. You have, you have a generous, forgiving heart. Seven times? Seven would make him the most forgiving man in the world. Would it not? When you think about us, how many of us are willing to forgive each other seven times? How many of us are willing to do three times? How many of us are willing to do one time? So Peter's thinking, wow, I'm something else. But Peter's limit, get this, was seven. That's as far as he wanted to go and no more. After seven, that's what Peter's saying. And I think he's even talking about the disciples there. Because it started in verse 1 where the disciples are fighting each other. And he's sitting there, they're fighting about who's the greatest in the kingdom. And I think they're going at each other. I think this whole chapter is Jesus breaking up a fight. And I think Peter's sitting there saying, me and, me and, me and the disciples, me and maybe John, I, I don't know who it is. Me and maybe Judas, I've had enough of him. I've forgiven him six times already. Maybe that's why he said seven. I'm done with him now. He said I wasn't the greatest. So he says, there's my line. There's the line I won't cross seven times. And I know it, all of us, even me, have, we have lines to our forgiveness. We have limits. And you say, what are ours? Well, watch this. It's not usually how many times, because I don't think any of us keep up with how many times we've forgiven each other. Our lines are more like, what if... What if they sin against me and it's so deep and it's so personal and they just took it too far? I can never forgive somebody if they did this to me. If they talked about me behind my back. If they, I've said this, I'll forgive you for a lot of things you do, for me, to, do to me, but if you hurt one of my kids, I'll never forgive you. I've said that. I've said that. Your, your preacher standing up here saying, I have those words have come out of my mouth. Don't you mess with one of my kids. I've said that about my wife. Don't you talk about her. Say what you want about me. But don't you dare talk about my wife. I don't know what your limit is. What's your limit? Where do you say, here's where I draw the line. I'll forgive you for what you say, but if you, if you hit me, I won't do it. I'll, I'll forgive you for this, but I won't go here. I've, had, I've heard people say, I'll forgive you only if you ask me very kindly. <laughs> only if you ask me and, and, and you say it in a way that I want you to say it. I've had, I've had people say that. I've, I've asked for forgiveness before from people and they'll say, I don't think you really mean it. So I'm not going to forgive you. There's their line. You have to say it in a way that they, they think it's okay. We all have a limit. We all have a line. We all have all these, if you do this. Peter's was seven times. I don't know what yours is. How far are you willing to go in forgiving somebody? Peter said, Jews are three. I'm seven. Where are we? What's your limit? We all have a limit. We all have a line. I'll never forgive you if this. I don't know what yours is. But what does Jesus say? Because now Jesus, and that's our second point, if that was the limit, what's the limit to our forgiveness? Then Jesus comes on and He gives us the lengths of our forgiveness. How far are we to go? This is the length. How far should our forgiveness go? And He doesn't add, He multiplies. It's not three plus three plus one. Do you see that there? He says, Jesus said unto him, I say not unto you seven times. I'm not doing any adding. Three plus three plus one, you don't even need a calculator for that. That's easy. Emma can figure that out, and she's six years old. Three plus three plus one, that's seven. That's easy. Jesus says, I'm going to multiply this thing. You're going to have to get your calculator out for this. I did it. I'm not very mathematically sound, I guess you could say. So I had to get my calculator out of my phone, and I was going to 70 times. There's multiplication there. Why is Jesus making me do math? 70 times seven. 
So the Jews said three. Peter said seven. Jesus says 70 times seven. Which if, if my math is correct, and it has to be because I got it on my phone and my calculator. I didn't do it in my head. I didn't, I, I didn't put it on a piece of paper and figure this thing out. I haven't done that since like the sixth grade. Since a calculator was good to me. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I was going to get into why we need math classes now that we have calculators. I don't know. 70 times 7 equals 490 times. The Jews said 3. Peter says 7. Jesus says 490. He didn't just take it to 8. He just didn't take it to 9. I mean, this wasn't one or two more. He took it 483 steps further. You with me? That's why I said this is out of this world forgiveness. And even in Luke, get this, 17.4, Luke 17.4 says this, and if your brother trespass against you seven times in a day, then seven times in a day turn again to you saying, I'm sorry, then you'll forgive him seven times a day. So it's 490, and then seven times a day every day. You say, what is all this math that he's doing here? What's he saying? Does he want us walking around with a calculator trying to figure this out? Or keeping tabs like you got a whiteboard in your, in your room and you're sitting there saying, my wife did that to me. Number one, you got, you know, you got 489 more times to do that. Keeping tabs of it. Two, three, four, mark a line through it, five. And you said six. That's the next one in line. Now that's where you got to go. See, she's learning. We're doing math today. And you're sitting there just keeping tabs. Is that what Jesus wants us to do here? Is, is he wanting us to keep tabs of how, how many times somebody does something against us? I don't think that's what he's wanting us to do. We're not to keep tabs of how people sin against us. The Bible's clear about that. What is Jesus teaching us here? Jesus is saying there are to be no limits on our forgiveness. That's what he's saying. This is unlimited forgiveness. There's no lines. There's no end to it. It's measureless. It's boundless. No matter what, no matter what they do, no matter what, you say, what if they do this? The answer is, forgive them. What if they do this? The answer is, forgive them. No matter what they do, no matter how far they go, no matter how many times they do it, the answer is always, forgive them. You say, how, how is this? This is divine forgiveness. There's an old quote that says, it's, to err is human. To forgive is divine. To forgive is to be, Proverbs 19.1 says this, that the glory of man is when he overlooks trespasses. You know what that means? Man at his best is when he forgives. Man is most like God. Have you ever heard somebody say that's a godly man? You're more, you're never more godly than when you forgive. The glory of man is when they forgive. It's like God. Watch this. There is no limit to God's forgiveness. Aren't you glad that God's forgiveness doesn't say Three times and you're done, buddy. Aren't you glad that God doesn't say seven times and you're done? Aren't you glad that God in heaven doesn't have a whiteboard and He's sitting there saying, all right, Josh just did that once. Josh just did that twice. You know that whiteboard would be full of Josh sinning over and 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 over. And there's never a point when God says, okay, one more and I'm done with that guy. He doesn't do that. There's never a point when I say, God, I'm sorry. And he says, you've crossed a line. He has unlimited forgiveness for us. Whoever confesses his sins, he's faithful and just to forgive that sin. It's unlimited, boundless, incalculable. You can't even add it up or multiply how many times God's forgiven us. And that's what we're to be like. I'll even say this. God loves to forgive. Amen. We ought to love to forgive. Jesus dying on the cross 
spit in his face, thorns on his head, piercing into his skull, nails in his hands, nail in his feet, people mocking and laughing. And what is his words that he says on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Can you imagine? Get this. Understand that. That may be the greatest moment in the entire life of Christ. On the cross while we're treating Him as bad as anybody has ever been treated in the history of the world. You think what the, the Germans did to the Jews was bad? Look what the Jews did to Jesus. And He looked down at them and He didn't say, Done with you guys! Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'll give you another one. When Stephen was being killed, throwing stones at him, his last words, last words, Paul was standing there holding coats as they were throwing stones at him, beating him into the ground with stones. And he said, lay not this sin to their charge. Father, forgive them for what they do. As they were doing to him things you could never imagine. And he said, and both of those, is that not out of this world forgiveness? And I think Paul even saw that. I think that's part of Paul's conversion right there. As he saw that, he said, whoa. How in the world could somebody be that forgiving? I want to know who that is. I want to know who he follows. I think that hit deep in his heart because when we forgive like that, we show the world how God forgives like that. And when we in a church refuse to forgive each other over tiny, petty, small things where you're mad at this one over not shaking their hand, that's not even a trespass. That's not sin. That's sensitive. (laughs) People are so sensitive. They get so upset over so, you didn't like my Facebook post. How dare you? I'll never forgive that. I've seen some of those petty things in church that you, you guys have seen it too. Pettiness in the house of God. Amongst the people of God. When the world looks in and we have people on this side, mad at people on this side, mad at people on this side, I, I, they don't want even come out of that wing and shake my hand. You know? I don't even know that they're over there. Pastor didn't wave at me in Food City. I didn't recognize you. We wear masks now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wave at everybody in Food City now. Just, just afraid that somebody's going to get mad at me over it. How long are we on Food City doing? <laughs> Gracie, she, she walks in there with me. I'm like, hey. She's like, do you know that person? I'm like, I, know, I don't know. I don't know who it is. I might know them. I just don't know. There's always somebody ready to get mad at you over sensitive issues. We live in a culture with a thousand, they call them microaggressions. Just get mad at the drop of a hat. That's the church. We ought to have a heart like God that says, I'll forgive you for not shaking my hand. That's not even a sin. I'll forgive you, Josh, if you didn't see me in Food City. I'll forgive you for this and I'll forgive you for that. I'll give you forgiveness because I want to be like God. Mankind at his best is when he forgives. Again, we're most like God when we forgive. So I know what you're saying here though. This is extreme, Josh. This is too hard. This is too far. It's unrealistic to do this. How could we be expected? And Jesus is saying this here. And I almost preached just these two verses this week. And I was going to move on to the parable next. But I had to answer that question. Because at the end of verse 22, my mind is thinking, how could we be expected to forgive like that? There's going to be people sitting in the pews that's going to say, that's too much. I can't do that. Does he understand what such and such has done to me? How can I be expected to forgive like that? And I think Jesus knows that question stirring in our minds. And that's why he gives us the next passage. Because now the question becomes how, not how could we be expected to forgive like that, but how could we not forgive like that? 
As now I'm moving on to the third point, and we're moving pretty good through this. We've, we've seen the limit to our forgiveness. Then Jesus gives us the links to our forgiveness. It's unlimited. And now he's going to give us a lesson on forgiveness. He teaches a parable here on forgiveness. And I think it may be the greatest parable out of all the parables. Again, I wanted to preach just one sermon on this. Watch how he explains it. The first thing he does is he gives us the reason that we ought to be the most forgiving people in the world. See, I already have a sermon outline for just this passage. The reason that we ought to be the most forgiving people in the world. Because we have been forgiven more than anybody else in the world. Watch this. Look at verse 23. He gives this parable. It's a story. I, th- I think you'll hear this and you'll never forget it. Watch this. Verse 23. Just, just, just go with me on this. Verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. So you have a king here who has a multitude of servants that he keeps record of, that he keeps account of, that he watches them and all that they do and all that they, they, they buy and they sell, all that goes on in their lives. He keeps a meticulous count of everything that his servants do. All they owe, all they spend, he's got an eye on all of his servants. This is a picture of God and people in the world. God is the king here. And God is a God who keeps a meticulous count of everything that we do. He's watching us. He knows it. He keeps a count. I don't think he has to have a whiteboard in heaven that he says, okay, <laughs> I've got a new baby. Little, little Hallie. She's just born. I don't think there's a, a blank whiteboard in heaven that he's like, Hallie Elizabeth Tompkins. And as soon as she starts acting up, he says, sin number one. And then you get to my age, <laughs> and I'm 26 days from 40. It's about to kill me. <laughs> How many marks would be on that whiteboard at 39 years old? Of all the things that I've done, all the sin that I've committed. And he keeps account of every single one of them. I don't think he has to put them on a whiteboard, but I think that's better for us to understand. I think he knows them all up here in the infinite genius mind of Almighty God. He's keeping a record. There's a debt. And then it says, this servant is brought to him. Verse 24. And when he begun to reckon, when he begun to start to ask them to pay up, This servant was brought to him, which owed him 10,000 talents. (laughs) That's a lot of money. You say, how much money is it? All the gold in the temple in Jerusalem, everything was overlaid with gold, and it cost 29 talents. This says 10,000 talents. The word here... For ten for talents or ten thousand talents is murion, and it's not actually a number. This is just the highest number in the Greek that you can get to. It's almost like they're they're saying here. This is when it says ten thousand talents. What they're saying there is what my kids say when they want to say a huge number. They say it's a, a gazillion, bajillion, majillion, and just keep on going and saying that's the highest number that my little tiny mind can get to. I'm going to the highest number in the world. I'm going to infinity. That's what this number is. He owed him infinity amount. Gazillion amount. And that pictures our sin debt. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to say there. He, he owes him 10,000 talents. That's what it says. 10,000 talents. It's not like he's counting all the way to 10,000. He's saying the board is full. I can't even count how many, how much you owe. It's beyond the ability to calculate the highest known number to man. It's an unpayable debt. None of us understand the enormity of our sin. How many times have you sinned against God? Three? Hallie's probably at three. She doesn't even know it. Seven? 490 times? Or gazillions? How many times have you sinned against God? Can you calculate? Can you figure that out? 
Is there a, is there a number that you can top in and say, well, I'm going to figure this out? I'm, I, and the older you get, I mean, that, that old song says, and I was always sinning and never trying to pay. My name was at the top and many things below. And I went under the keeper and I had too much to pay. There's nothing I can do. I don't have that. It's an unpayable debt. It says that in verse 25. Before as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold. Watch this. He sold him into slavery. Get this. To pay him back. Sold him into slavery. And that wasn't. A lifetime of slavery wasn't enough to pay it back. Commentators say that if somebody wanted to pay this much money back, it would take 200,000 years. You with me? So he said, okay, one life ain't good enough. I'm going to sell his wife into slavery. So there's his lifetime, his wife's lifetime, and then it says children. You with me on this? There's, there's his, him, his wife, and all of his goods, and then children. I, that Children is plural. That means at least two. He may have more. So we're talking, he's trying to pay this back, and it's taking four lifetimes at least to pay this back. And it's still not enough. This pictures hell. That every sin that we've committed will be punished in hell for all eternity. And after ten lifetimes or ten eternities in hell, we'll still be no closer to paying off what we've sinned against God. Amen. You with me on that? We have no idea the enormity of our sin. It's a mountain of sin that we've sinned against God. Mountains of sin. We'll spend, if you're, if you're not saved, you'll spend an eternity paying off every single sin you've ever committed against a holy God. No sin goes unpunished. Not one. Watch what he does. Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him saying, Lord, be merciful to me and I'll pay it all. Be merciful. That's, that's what he asks for. He falls down. He worships. He pleads. I can't pay this. Please don't send me. Don't make me in my lifetime pay for it. Don't make my wife pay for it. Don't make my children pay for it. Just give me a chance. I'll do anything that you ask me to do. Please. And he begs for this. Please have mercy upon me. Show me mercy. Please. That's all he has. He has not enough to pay. So the only plea that he can make is mercy. Mercy. And verse 27 is a grace verse. Verse 27 is a, a gospel verse. That the king looks at him. It says in verse 27, And then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion. And he loosed him and forgave him the entirety of the debt. Every, this is what he did. If he had a board, again, let's go back to our board. Board full of sin. And the king looked at him and said, my heart goes out to you. I forgive every single one of them. You don't have to pay any of it back. No work to be done. I'm not going to make your wife do anything or your kids do anything or you do anything. I'm going to completely wipe out everything. All the debt that you owe. You are free. You are fully forgiven from everything that you owe me. This is grace upon grace upon grace. He had a mountain of sin and now he has been fully forgiven. This is a picture of our salvation. Do you understand? Do we understand how much He's forgiven us? And we didn't have to do anything but beg for mercy. There's no working that off. Who paid for it? I said every sin must be paid for. It doesn't tell us in this story, but we know that the king's son had to pay for it. That he went to a cross and he died for an innumerable amount of sin. And he didn't commit one. The board of the sin for Christ didn't have one mark on it. Completely white. Completely pure. Completely perfect. And when he went to the cross and died, he didn't die for his own sin. He died for the mountain of my sin. And the doubt, mountain of your sin. And the mountain of your sin. He took my board. Get this. He switched it. His board said perfect. Jesus perfect. My board said Josh. Imperfect. Sinner. 
deserving of hell. And Jesus said, I'll take his board and give him my board. So that now I stand before the king completely forgiven. Forgotten so that even in the mind of Almighty God, it's not there. That's forgiveness. Now I'll say this. That's out of this world forgiveness. And that's what we preach to the world. If that's not in our message, if we spend our whole sermons condemning people for their sin, which we must do, you condemn them and tell them they're going to go to hell and have to pay for their sin for all eternity, so, so long in eternity that after ten eternities, it still won't be any closer to paying it off. We tell them that and we load them down with all their sin so that they see the death. That is, it's murion. It is incomprehensible how much you owe God. We throw it all on there. But then we look at them and say, there's full forgiveness and grace in Jesus Christ. You can be forgiven of all that and that burden can be lifted off of you today if you believe in Him. What an offer. I think if we offered it like that, we'd have more people coming to cut down the altar and saying, I take it! Forgive me! You say, Josh, why are you telling us this? Watch this. Because if we are the most forgiven people in the world, we ought to be the most forgiving people in the world. Watch what he says here. Turn it around. See, I probably should have just preached this as a sermon by itself. Watch what he says. I put the word grace at verse 27. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And he looked on us with compassion. Why did he save us? Why did he forgive us? Why did he go to the cross? Because his heart went out to us. That's it. It wasn't anything I did. It's just who he is. Verse 28. We've got to move on. The same servant went out. The same one that was forgiven went out. And he found one of his fellow servants, which is servant and servant, which is brother. He's talking about disciples. Christians in the church. Went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him how much? A hundred pence. The vice president's name's in here. <laughs> owed him a hundred pence. You say, how much is a hundred pence? See, there's a ten thousand talent up here. That's an innumerable amount. How much is a hundred pence? That's lunch money. He has been forgiven of a mountain of sin and debt. And he walks out and he runs into, just haphazardly runs into one of his old buddies. And he says, ha ah, didn't I buy you lunch a while back? And his buddy's like, yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, how you doing? I, you did buy me lunch. You paid like $2.50 for it. You know, we got a coffee. You owe me money, man. You owe me. You owe me that. Give me what you owe me. Lunch money. You know what this is a picture of? That we have been forgiven by Christ for so much that is beyond our imagination and that in the church that we would get mad at each other over lunch money stuff. Tiny little things. You didn't shake my hand. And God looks down and says, Did I not forgive you of everything that you've done? And you're holding it against this one over a handshake? What are you doing? So He looks at him and says, You owe me money, man. You see that? And watch what He does. And he took him by the throat. I'm going to choke this out of you. I, I, the, the picture that I got for our kids today in their, their little page of notes. You, you grab one. It, it's a great picture. Got one guy, got the other guy by the throat doing this. And other guy's watching saying, I don't get it. Was he just not forgiven? And now he's so unforgiving? Do you see that? Was he not just forgiven? The world just don't understand it. Was he not just forgiven? Are they not a forgiven people? But now they're unforgiving. They're at each other's throats. Is that not a picture of what the church does? We're at each other's throats. And as we're at each other's throats, we're saying, come to Jesus and He'll forgive you. But we won't. He will, but we won't. How dare you? He says that grabs him by the throat. Look what it says. Grabs him by the throat. Says, pay me what you owe me. Verse 29. And his fellow servant fell down on his feet and begged him. 
Show me mercy. That's what that have patience with me. Show me mercy and I'll give you lunch money. <laughs> please. Please. It's the same thing he just begged of the king. And now this servant has said, please, I'll get it. I'll get it. And what does he do? The three hardest words in the world to say, I will forgive you. Four words, I will forgive you. But he doesn't say it. And he would not. But he went and cast him in prison until he should pay the debt. Wow. We do this all the time. Families are tore apart. Marriages are tore apart. Friendships are tore apart. Churches pulled, tore apart over lunch money. Did the servant forget how much he'd been forgiven? Maybe. Did he not understand how much he'd been forgiven? Because I think that's what happens. When we refuse to forgive each other, we either forget how much we've been forgiven or we don't understand how much we've been forgiven. If we keep in our mind the mountain of sin of what we've been forgiven, I think we'd be a much more forgiving people. Amen. It's a, the Puritans used to say, it's a moral monstrosity to be so forgiven and yet be so unforgiving. Ephesians 4.32 says this, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. What's the basis for our forgiving of each other? God's forgiveness of us. So watch what happens next. I've got ten minutes. Bear with me. After he refuses to forgive, says in verse 31, so when his fellow servants saw what he was doing, See, that they're watching. I think this is a picture of church discipline that we just talked about a few weeks ago, that they're watching what's going on. In that picture I got for the kids, there's people watching through the windows as he's choking out his fellow servant. They're watching what's going on, and they say, that's not right. And it says it even breaks their heart. They're sorry about it. So they go and they tell the Lord all that that they'd seen and all that was done. Then his Lord, just just, just follow this with me. The Lord, after he called him, said unto him, he's angry with them. Can you imagine that? He'd just forgiven him and wiped it clean. <laughs> I mean, done. It's over. It's all, all wiped clean. And then he hears word that the same servant that he just sent out, free. He set me free. Oh, he set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. He goes out, just, just he, he's got the weight lifted off his shoulders. I don't know a dime anymore. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Free at last. And then he's, oh, that guy owes me money. He comes back to the king. The king says, and he's, he's angry with him. Look what he says. And the Lord, after he called unto him, said, You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you asked me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just like I had pity on you? And his Lord was wroth. His Lord, that word wroth, is he was angry. He was red-faced. It makes God angry when his people don't forgive. When he looks down and he sees his children at each other's throats, it makes him angry. I can say that from a father's perspective. I love it when my children get along. It drives me crazy when I see them at each other's throats. And God looks down at us and says, they've been forgiven so much. I have given them out of this world forgiveness, but they won't forgive each other for lunch money. So watch what he does to them. He's angry and he delivers him to the tormentors. You say, what in the world is a tormentor? He delivered him over to be tortured. Until, until he should pay all that was due unto him. You say, what is this? God punishes, whips, or chastises his people when they refuse to forgive. This could be Holy Spirit conviction. Because I think sometimes when the Holy Spirit convicts you, it feels like torture. 
I think it goes back to church discipline that they even cast them out of the church. And, and, and that could be like torture to somebody that they've been disciplined out of the church and, and God just hands them or the king hands them over to be tortured in their sin. And you, you go and it's like sending your kids off. You go and think about what you've done. And it just torments and it just, it just tortures them. But I think it's more than that. I think what, what God does here, and I can take you to other scriptures that, that'll, that'll confirm this. But when we refuse to forgive, it does two things. It hinders the relationship between us and whoever it is we refuse to forgive. So unforgiveness puts up a wall between us and whoever it is we want to forgive or should forgive. So that relationship is, is broken. But it also harms the relationship between me and my Heavenly Father. Unforgiveness makes a wall here between us and a wall here between us and God. And that is the worst thing that you could ever imagine in life. That anything would hinder our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And there's a lot of people in churches call themselves Christians who have a relationship that is hindered between them and God because there's a wall there of unforgiveness. You say, what does that look like? How would you know that? Listen to me. The Bible's full of this, but here's what it is. That when, when you refuse to forgive, that God sends you off, the relationship is, it isn't broken, but it's not where it should be. You don't have heaven's joy. You don't have heaven's peace. You don't have the, the fellowship with God and with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You don't get answers to prayer. You're full of anger. You're full of bitterness. You're full of hate. Your walk with God is dry and distant. And you become like it talked about in, previously in, in chapter 18 where you're straying away. It's a dark place where you can't even comprehend and understand Scripture like you should. You are out there on your own. The relationship is harmed. It's hurt. God says, I, I, I'm, gonna take, I'm, I'm taking it off here. You're, you're on your own now. You pray. Yeah. You ask for forgiveness. <laughs> you going to ask me for forgiveness and you hold it against somebody else? Was it Matthew 5 that says that? Blessed are those who show mercy, for they shall receive more mercy. He treats us how we treat others. It's reciprocal. You see that? Amen. So let me ask you this. You see people who are dry. You see people who are bitter. I'm talking about Christians. I'm not talking about the world. Because they're this most unforgiving place in the world out there. But in here you see Christians who are dry, bitter, angry, hateful, eat up with just ready to fight you look at it, I, had, I had somebody message me earlier this week and say I have no joy how can I get it back I said there's two things you got to do it's simple you look at your own life and see is there sin that I'm committing that I need to confess and repent of and if you can't find anything there then you need to see if there's anybody that you haven't forgiven Good. that you're holding against somebody Amen. because those two things can steal and rob you of any joy that you have Unforgiveness robs you of joy and eats you up like a canker in your soul. And there are Christians who have grown. You see them at the beginning. They're so joyful. There's so much peace. There's so much happiness. There's, there's so much. I mean, it's just there's fellowship. Everything's great. Even in the church, everything, everything's getting along. And all of a sudden, unforgiveness creeps in and, all, and they become the most bitter people in the world. Grow old and grow bitter instead of growing old and getting better. All because they refuse to forgive somebody for lunch money. I'll say this too. You see people that, we don't get this. But we can't even understand scripture without the enlightenment of God. Yeah. I can read. I can. You can read. We've got eyes. We've got ears. We can hear. But if there's unforgiveness, it's like God says, dark. You'll still read it, but you won't understand it. This happens in churches, it happens in families, it happens with Christians. This is torment. This is torture, is what this is. This is what he does when we refuse to forgive each other. Wow. Just in case you didn't get it, look what he says in verse 35. You say, Josh, you're, just, you're, you're, you're reading into that. No, 
So likewise, this is exactly how my Heavenly Father is going to do to you. If ye and from your hearts forgive not every single one of his brothers their sins. This is exactly what God's going to do to you if you don't forgive. Are you with me on that? I mean, read, let's read it again. You. I don't even underline the you. This is exactly what the Father is going to do to you. And I, I think he's pointing at the disciples here. Because again, chapter 18, they're fighting. Who's the greatest? I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. And they're fighting. And they maybe even have been at each other's throats at this. Peter, you think you're the greatest. You think you're the favorite. And Jesus here says, guys, if you don't forgive each other, Peter, tell him you're sorry. John, tell him you forgive him. I'm sorry. I forgive you. If you don't forgive each other, it's going to be hard on you. The Spirit won't move, won't enlighten, won't give you peace, won't give you joy. You'll be dry. You'll be dead. It'll be bad for you. Forgive each other. And he, he says that to you, disciples. And then he says, you, church. You. You better do the same. You better forgive each other. This should be. You should be. You should be. The most forgiving people in the world. Out there, they will not forgive you. In here, easiest thing in the world for us to say should be, I forgive you. That's what he's saying. That's out of this world forgiveness. So let me ask you this and I'm closing. I'm going to ask two questions. Number one. Do you need to forgive somebody? Right now, as we're preaching this, did somebody come to your mind? You say, Josh, you're starting to, starting to meddle. You're starting to get in. You know, just, stay up there. Stay, stay in your lane, Josh. Is there somebody come to your mind that you have said in the past, maybe many people, again, it could be a spouse, it could be a parent, it could be a child, it could be a sibling, it could be a friend, it could be somebody in this room. I've been at this church for 10 years now, and I've seen a lot. And I've seen in this church people who sit in these pews, and one over here would say it about one over there, I won't say a word to them. That when, you, when they go to shake their hand, they'd say, I've seen it. And I sit and think, man, they're asking for it. Maybe somebody in here. That as, as this was being preached, this person came to mind. Or these people came to mind. That you're holding something against, that you're bitter towards, that when you see them, you think, hmm. Is anybody like that? Mm. I hope that's not nothing like that happening in this, in this church. And when you see them walking through the door, you think, mm. that your prayers towards them is, God, get them. <laughs> Instead of like Stephen and like Jesus, God, forgive them. If somebody like that popped into your mind, I want you to do something for me. I want you to, as we pray here in just a second, I want you to say, God, give me the grace to forgive this person and say their name. You don't have to say it to me. You don't have to say it to them. Just God give me the grace to forgive this one. And then when you do that, say, say in your prayer, God, I forgive this one, whoever it is. And you know what will happen to you? It will be a load off you like you've never felt before in your life. I've been hanging on to that for so long. And now here today, it's over. I, for, I forgive them. As we pray, God, I forgive this one. And heaven's joy and heaven's peace will come upon you in ways that you haven't had in a long time. You want a refreshing to flow through your church? 
let's start forgiving each other like crazy. Yeah, God says they're just like I am. They love to forgive people. I'll bless them. My spirit will move through them. Oh, they'll be enlightened in the scriptures there. Oh, their prayers will be answered there. They're just like me. To err is human, but to forgive, oh, that's like God. Those are godly people. Not because we wear suits and act all high and uppity, but because we forgive each other. Question number two. Do you need forgiveness today? Do you see the mountain of sin before you? If you're here today and you're lost, you've got a mountain of sin that you have to reckon with one day. That you will stand before God and He's going to... He will, I mean, I don't know how that's going to work, but He may turn that whiteboard around and say, you've done this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And you're going to be sitting there saying, I did, I did, I did, I did. Oh, I did. Oh, yeah, I did, I did, I did. What can I do? And He's going to say, it's too late. You must pay for every single wrong you've committed against God. And He'll send you to hell. But what if you see it today? That now today for the first time you see, yes, I've sinned. Yes, I've sinned. Yes, I've sinned. Yes, it's all there. I see it. What can I do? Run as fast as you can to Jesus and plead for mercy. And you know what He'll say to you today? Oh, I wish you'd do it today. Oh, I beg you to do it today. See your sin and run to Jesus. And I guarantee you, knowing what the Bible says, beyond a shadow of a doubt, He'll say, I forgive you. And you'll walk out of here as free as you've ever been in your entire life. And you'll stand before God one day and it'll be just as if you've never sinned. What an offer. Forgiveness. Let me quote you a song and I'm done. Sinners seek the Lord. Repent of all your sins. Because thus He has commanded if we would enter in. And then if you should live a hundred years below, you'll know you got it settled. And settled long ago. Long ago down on my knees. Long ago I settled it all. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. Hallelujah, and the record is clear today, for He washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. You can have your account settled today if you'll run as fast as you can to Jesus. I'm going to pray. And as I pray, turn to Jesus and you'll have forgiveness of sin. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for our time in Your Word today. I know I went long and I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I pray every Sunday that you'd help me to be very mindful of my time and of the people's time. But God, I needed today to offer forgiveness to those in this room. I needed to do that. And so I'm offering that, God, as an ambassador and a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I stand in for you today. And I offer to the people in this room and even to the people online full and free forgiveness if they'll run to Jesus. And I beg you today by your Spirit that you would work in their heart and their mind even as we pray now. And that they would say, yes, I see my sin. Yes, I see what Jesus did. Yes, I believe. Yes, I put my full faith and trust. I think it would be as easy, Father, as if people sitting in the pews would say, God, forgive me. And I think you would. I know you would. If there's a kid in here today who sees that they're sinners, may today they say, God, forgive me. And you will. Please, God, work. Please. And God, for those of us here who are Christians, if there's anybody in our hearts, in our minds, that we say, I've never forgiven them, they may have never even asked but you've held something against them. They've held something against them for so long. May today be right now the time when they say, God, I forgive whoever it is. May we see in this room today, out of this world forgiveness. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name.